As Latter-day Saint leaders, we face very difficult conversations that put us at risk of saying the wrong thing that can do more harm than good. Many of these conversations relate to LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. Have you had a fellow board member come out to you about their LGBT identity? Have you had LGBT neighbors and you just don't know what to say to them, so you ignore them instead? Have you wrestled with balancing love for your fellow men while still respecting the doctrines of the restored gospel? In order to help, Leading Saints has put together the LGBT Saints Library with more than 20 presentations featuring individuals who have a unique perspective or expertise around this topic. Three of the most popular sessions are available now to watch. Simply text the word LEAD to 474747 to start watching now or visit leadingsaints.org LGBT. Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through various ways, including this very podcast that you're listening to. I hope you subscribe. Maybe leave us a review while you're at it. And I think you'll enjoy the content you find on this podcast. And then jump on over to leadingsaints.org and you'll find thousands of articles dedicated to leadership context as it relates to uh, being a Latter-day Saint. Uh, we have virtual summits that we've done. Check us out on social media and also a, a weekly newsletter that goes out that has unique content you won't find anywhere else. So uh, jump into the Leading Saints glad to have you. Today, I have the opportunity to sit down with Franz Bellow. Uh, did I say that right, Franz? Yeah, perfect. Bellow, okay. yes. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll uh, get a few more practice and uh, opportunities here as we go. But uh, And you, uh, that name uh, is Haitian, is that right? Correct. Yeah, I was born in Haiti and um, it's actually a French name, but definitely these are the type of names that you'll encounter in Haiti, a lot of French names. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. And now uh, you, you do not live in Haiti. You live a long way from Haiti at this point. Uh, wh where do you live now? So now I live in Mapleton, Utah, via Canada. I was actually raised in Montreal, Quebec. Nice. Uh -huh. So raised uh, speaking French, I assume? Yes, French. We nice. spoke Haitian Creole in my home, but French at school and with friends. Nice. Wow, that's awesome. So three languages or are there any others that you speak? No, I uh, three languages fluently. I am trying to learn Spanish, but I'm not doing too well. I think it's a lack of dedication from my part. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, we've all been there. That's for sure. So, you know, I originally heard you on the Come Follow Him podcast with uh, John, by the way, and uh, Hank Smith, who mm -hmm. do an exceptional job. And uh, I just can't encourage people enough to uh, go and check that podcast out in your Come Follow Me preparation and whatnot. And uh, you were a guest on there, which yeah. was uh, typically they have you know, religious scholars, I guess, but you're a scholar just in a different realm. How did that, uh, that opportunity come to be? Well, I, I'm definitely not a scholar, so, okay. <laughs> so I cannot claim that title. <laughs> um, Hank and I, we know each other. I was uh, serving as a bishop in, uh, in, in that stake, and Hank was one of the high counselors. So he was visiting our stake. He was, uh, sorry, he was assigned to our ward, and we became very good friends. I, I gained to respect him a lot. He did a lot of good for our, uh, the young men and young women and also for the adults. So it was wonderful. And that's the way the friendship started. That's awesome. Great. Well, and as, as I read your bio there, I was listening to it and I thought, man, I've got to track down France and see if I can get him on the podcast. And here we are. And so you have an interesting background in, I guess, I don't know if you classify yourself as an entrepreneur, but you've uh, you know started businesses and, and mm -hmm. really in the education world. But you also have a PhD from BYU in educational leadership. 
with an emphasis in organizational behavior. When I heard that, I thought Franz is my kind of guy. So what, what led you to, uh, on a path to a PhD in, in educational leadership? Um, so we, the education was always something that my parents drilled into me. Um, I didn't think that I was going to go into uh, get, getting a degree in that, but education was something that we that that our parents really reinforced. Particularly my mother, she really wanted us to obtain as much education as possible. And then once I was in school, I don't know why, but I I first got a a, um, a bachelor in psychology. And realized that I needed to get a PhD if I wanted to do anything with with psychology. <laughs> yeah, and then and then I then after this I wanted to go into government and uh, see if I could do some good. So I I got a master's in public administration, mm. and uh, and the more I spent some time, the more I recognized that education would be a very good place for me to get a doctorate, a PhD. So. So it made sense. And I wanted to use that. And that's why I spent a lot of time with organizational behavior. I wanted to combine this to, uh, to become, um, well, to, to just do some good, be a consultant, and hopefully become an entrepreneur. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Nice. That's great. And uh, so what do you, when people ask you what you do today, how do you describe that? All right. So, so I'm an entrepreneur by heart. And uh, I started a company uh, with some partners called TechTrip Academy. And then I also started a company called, uh, well, TechTrip Academy provides, provides education to, to students, um, uh, K through eight, and sometimes we'll go K through 12. It's an online program. And I also started with other partners, a company called Typhoon. And that to me is more in the realm of training adult education. So, so that's, that's what I've done with my educational background. Awesome. Well, it sounds like a, a fun journey and, and I'm, I have a passion for education as well. It's been valuable in my life. And so it's probably a good place to, to spend most of your time. Uh, let's pivot towards your, uh, sort of your, your church experience in leadership. You had some unique opportunities. You mentioned before that you've uh, served as a bishop and now recently called to a, a state presidency there in, in Mapleton. Yes. Um, when, when do you, when do you feel like was your first leadership opportunity in the church? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I may have had some leadership when I was first baptized at the age of 15, uh, serving with the bishop. Um, but I can't remember any of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember just trying to catch up to all of the different lingo and catch <laughs> up to what I'm supposed to do. So I can't remember if I had that. The one, the, the, the first time I remember having a leadership position was at the, um, at, on my mission in Birmingham, Alabama, when I was called to be a trainer and then a, eventually some other position within within the mission. But uh, that was the first time I remember uh, feeling that that uh, I had been given a responsibility to help someone else. Mm -hmm. And then what do you remember about, uh, is there a story behind being called as a bishop? Uh, yes. Um, the You know, you never expect that you'll be a bishop. That is not something that I had on a, in a notebook and say, someday you'll become a bishop. <laughs> that, that is not something that I anticipated. So when I was called with my wife and to sit in front of, of uh, the state presidency and uh, they mentioning that the Lord had called me to serve as the bishop of the Mapleton 8th Ward, um, that was a sobering moment. And to say that I wasn't nervous would be inaccurate. I was I was nervous because I know that how I've perceived bishops in the past, they are men of 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 goodness. I that's been my experience and men of understanding. Um, so and I certainly didn't see myself as someone who could counsel um, individuals who were having difficulties. But I'll never forget with what one of the counselors said. He said not to worry about this; that the Lord would provide. And that was one of my very first thing that I noticed as a bishop is that the Holy Spirit helps you understand how to approach certain situations. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, so what, what year were you called as bishop? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 2013, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And, and, uh, 
good five years or so as, as bishop yeah, is that- yeah, about five and a half years yeah it was uh it was a great experience great nice. experience nice and then i'm just curious especially when i meet individuals like you who have a deep um education in you know organizational behavior or uh leadership in general like did you feel like how did that serve you in some of these callings as, as like a, a bishop did were there moments where you thought oh this is a circumstance i sort of uh researched about or whatever did did any yeah. of that come up or well, Kurt, I, I wish I wish I could say yes, that came out. <laughs> uh, but I have to say that there there are some principles that are universal um, that you use in, in business, you use in family as well as as in the church. I believe. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not an expert on leadership, but I understand a little bit of it. Uh, for for instance, in organizational behavior you realize in a hurry that individuals are who make up an organization. An organization doesn't stand by itself. It's mm-hmm. an entity that, that the, the, when we talk about culture, the culture of the organization is a misnomer in a lot of ways. It's the culture of the people within the organization. But we understand when we say it's, it's the organizational stru- um, culture. So within an organization, the people make a difference. And that is the same principle in a family as well as in a ward. The people are the ones who are the most important uh, part of any organization. And the goal of any organization, I think, is to not only, well, in business, I know it's to benefit the customer, but you certainly want to make sure that your employees are healthy. Well, in in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I think that you want to make sure that the people are coming onto Christ and they're the focus. So I think that's a similarity just to focus on the individual. Yeah. And were, were there any like routines or tactics that you did as a bishop to make sure that you were having, that you were watching over those individuals or encouraging those individuals? Cause sometimes it can just feel like a, a larger organization. I'm sure you're feeling that in the state presidency level as well. It's just like you're sort of guiding this organization and there's so many individuals that maybe, forget to, to engage there, but any, any processes you went through to engage with individuals on a regular basis to make sure you were in that individual mindset? Yeah, I love that question. Uh, I really like that question. So I've come to recognize in a hurry during my first bishop's appointment that we were in the business with the one. Hmm. My business was to help the one. Sure, a bishop uh, presides over a ward, but a ward is made up of several individuals. And uh, so I always put kind of a note in my mind that while you are presiding over a ward, to take time to really understand what is brother so-and-so or sister and so, how are they feeling? How, how are they the, their um, uh, their experience and what are some of the things that I can assist them with and where can I rejoice with them or even mourn with them? Hmm. Um, the 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 one thing that I did to always remind me of the one is that I would I would take times on a regular basis to go out and visit the homes of the members. Hmm. That always reminded me to be with people. And that always reminded me that this was about the individual, about the one to be more specific. Nice. I love that. And did you have any like type of, like when it comes to visiting, was it something you sat down as executive secretary and said, I need four appointments a week? Or was it mainly you just pull over as you're driving down the street, knock on a door? How did you go about making sure that you were visiting? I was a little bit more intentional. I would would, uh, schedule a time during the week and I would say I have one or two hours and I would, we would have a list that we divided, the list of the membership that we divided in three. My counselors were doing similarly. And uh, we, I would say these are the people that I will visit this year. The following year, I'll visit other individuals. And as I went and visited them, I would, I would just keep track of which homes I've been into. And, and that's the way I did it. So it was more intentional. Now, granted, there are some times that you do, or you, 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 while you're driving, you do have certain thoughts that come to your minds and you're like, huh, I, I need to go visit brother so, so-and-so or sister yeah. so-and-so. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And then and I realize some of these questions, I really try and dig down and sometimes I'll ask a question that maybe there's nothing there, but if there is, I'm intrigued to hear it that yeah, yeah, like yeah. In, as you're visiting members, like if you were coaching a brand new Bishop or leader on making an in-home visit, like d- do any principles come to mind? Well, yeah, there's one principle that comes to mind. Um, and a principle that comes to me is there's a scripture in the Holy Bible and we we say we we refer to that scripture a lot, and that's not only in the, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. That scripture I, I've I've seen it in so many different relig- religions and so on. But but this one is found in on, in John chapter seventeen, sorry chapter thirteen verse thirty five. The Lord says, "By this shall men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another." Hmm. I love that scripture because that's the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ to me. Um, just going about visiting and expressing love to our brothers and sisters and letting them know that we're here to assist and to lift and to also cry with them um, when things get very difficult. That that was a very important principle in my, yeah. in, in my ministry. Yeah, I love that because... You know, we, we hear this a lot, like, you know, love those you, you lead. And and I think this this habit or this intention of being in the homes of members, there's just, even if you don't literally go in there and say, brother and sister, I love you. Like, even yeah, if you exactly. don't say that, but just the fact that the, the bishop is in my home, he's yeah. present with me. Maybe he doesn't even have a, a grand thing to say or an awesome yeah. scripture to share, but he's there. And then the next Sunday you think like, yeah, there's the bishop. Like he was in my home recently. Yes. And that, that shows a lot of love and, and reflects on that scripture well. Well, yeah, I appreciate that, Kurt, because a lot of times the visit does not require a grand message. Yeah. If there's such a thing, by the way. <laughs> but a lot of times the the visits were, um, you know, in the summertime, I used to get on my bike, you know, in my and and I was in my shorts because I was doing some work and I and I would just ride my bike around and I would see um, some of our faithful members, some of our uh, just being around and working in their yard. And I would just say, hey. What are you planting this year? Those are the type of yeah. conversations that we would have and and maybe sit in on their porch and say, how's the summer coming for you? What are you working on right now? Those were some of my very favorite conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Just those little things, those little points of connection, right? Yes, and, uh, exactly. And we often think, and where who knows where we get this perception, but being a bishop is like being in your office and like saying something that like solves a problem and then that yeah. person goes home happy, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's so much, it's just the little things that really establish great leadership, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I believe that. Awesome. Well, and you uh, sent me a few principles. Maybe we've touched on some of these already, but uh, we'll go over those. But I, I'm curious, like when you made, when you were called to the stake presidency, were you the, uh, were you the bishop at that time or, or had you been released? No, I had been the bishop. I had been a bishop two and a half years earlier. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, so I was serving in the stake young men's presidency. Oh, nice. Nice. So I'm always curious because uh, I had this the similar experience of going from a bishop to a, a counselor in the state presidency. And, and it was such a, I learned so much from that transition as far as leadership goes. I'm curious, like, and I know it's just been a, a few months, but what have you noticed about that, uh, those different leadership roles uh, that might be helpful to others that go through that? Well, um, the, you know, the principle, and I'm glad that that's the way we started this conversation, the principle of, of administering to the one yeah, it's always been consistent in my mind. In the stake presidency, there are a lot of decisions, as you all know, that you're making, and and the intent is to benefit our brothers and sisters and to help them become better disciples of the Savior Jesus Christ. So one of the things that I noticed was that we all of a sudden had I had a bigger view of what was going on in the stake for obvious reason, right mm-hmm. reasons. So I, I understood a little bit more of, of the good that's happening from an activity standpoint, from a missionary standpoint, from a bishop, from bishops standpoint, mm-hmm. young men standpoints, and so on. It was, it was very, and the goal was to, okay, what, how, what resources do those different organizations or church positions need to uh, do to to accomplish their purposes. So 
I, I felt that I, I understood this because professionally as well, sometimes the more or the more the business is, the larger the business, the more that you find yourself, especially if you're in the leadership position, that you're there to provide resources. And, uh, and since you have some type of experience to also share your experiences so that, yeah. so that those different organizations can do a lot better. Well, within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I also believe that uh, you get a chance, at least in a stake presidency, to to be there to support, to 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 support and provide resources to those who may have who may have a need for that. Yeah, and you know these random dynamics are coming to my mind, and maybe there's nothing there to discuss, but um, you know there's sort of this passive aggressive dynamic between uh, the ward and the stake, right? Like some, I've heard some bishops sort of push against like, oh, the stakes coming for my people again, you know, like they they want my counselor on the high council or something, you know, uh, any thought to that as far as how you manage that or, you know, uh, play nice with with the wards as on the stake level. Yeah. Very, very good. Um, I, I think it's, it's a, I think that it's, it's an attitude that anybody in leadership can help with. Um, because sometimes we do, sometimes we forget that we're working for the same team. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and when that happens, I think the leader has a responsibility of explaining why is it that certain things are happening? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Granted, granted we do things by inspiration, by revelation, but there are a lot of things that can also be explained. Right. When, when somebody is being called in the stake, um, in the in the stake position, and that person was serving in the ward. Um, the first thing that we remind people is that yes, um, that that we acknowledge that maybe some inconvenience uh, for the for the wards, um, and we discuss and counsel with the leadership of of a bishopric, for instance, before you make those types of decisions. And I think that that's key, Kurt. Yeah. The key is to make sure that we counsel with one another and uh, understand what are some of the needs that you have because we're considering sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so to serve in the stake position. And as we discuss, you can determine whether that was a good, a, 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 you can determine if that's a good course of action. It may be that uh, it is, but not right now. Or it may be upon uh, getting further information, you may say, "Well, this is probably not the right, uh, probably not the right position for this brother." Yeah. So, I think the key again is to make sure that we're you're counseling with 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 the the leadership of a ward, so that you can fully understand and also articulate some of the your thoughts, so that it's a it's a healthy exchange. And usually, my experience has been that the right thing happens um, when you involve people in those types of conversations, as opposed to say, hey, Bishop so-and-so, uh, we, we've, we've decided to call Kurt to this position. <laughs> yeah. and thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. I don't think that that's the right way of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we can maybe too quickly play that the card of like, well, you know, it was, uh, we prayed about it. It's the Lord's will. So just yeah. hand them over, you know? That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and and oh. I, well, I, I love the concept you talk about with like the more people we get involved in some of these processes can really benefit us, right? Like the more information we get from the bishop or their ward counselor or whatever, as we go through this, then in the end comes out a really good decision and, and an inspired decision. Yes, absolutely. Because I think that we, we do have to be really uh, careful uh, of making at times unilateral decisions, mm. Right. Um, when I was uh, in leadership positions uh, in a younger age, sometimes I would make um, decisions without even counseling with other people, right? Yeah. I would say, I feel this is the right way to go about it, and let's go. Let's, let's just do this. But, you know, the, the older I get, the more I realize that we all have great thoughts to share with one another. And it can only refine confirm or help you understand that this is not the right decision at that moment in time. So that's why, again, in the last little while, um, 
the, you could see that the church has been really encouraging us to to counsel with one another yeah. so that we can come out with some of the best uh, outcomes. I think that's when inspiration and revelation really comes yeah. is, is when we counsel one another. Yeah. Love that. And I've sort of jumped again on uh, some of your uh, principles here, one of them being counsel, you know, counsel with others, anything yeah. else to say around that principle? Yeah, I, I, yes, absolutely. You know, if I just, I want to make sure that I share some of the points that I've learned. Um, the, one of the things is, is, it, it's saying here in the church handbook and, and actually in the Doctrine and Covenants as well, that uh, as an important part of receiving inspiration, making decisions and accomplishing the work of the Lord, our Father in Heaven has established councils. And I think that's, that's, that's great. And there's some scriptures to back that up. Yes. Our Father in Heaven is the one who, who established that. And here it says the primary purpose, again, from the church handbook, the primary purpose of council is to help members work together and seeking divine guidance about matters that will bless individuals and families. Councils give special emphasis to helping members receive ordinances and keep the associated, the associated covenants. Council members also seek inspiration about planning and coordinating the Lord's work in the area of responsibility. And I need to, to uh, uh, say something here. At times, councils can become, um, I, can become where people um, don't realize that our purpose for that very council is like it says there, it's to help member receive ordinances and keep the associated covenants. So there should be a, a reason why we're, we're visiting and there should be a reason why we're counseling and saying what would be best for our brother uh, Kurt at this moment in time, right? Instead of saying, well, I wonder what Kurt is doing type of thing. And then you start <laughs> talking about tangents that are not relevant and really coming up with the best decisions to help uh, a brother or sister. Yeah, I love that. Uh, next uh, principle you mentioned, this was the first one I guess you mentioned, is learn your duties and responsibilities. Uh, yes. How do we do that? Oh, well, um, I don't know about you, but let's go back to the question about um, uh, professionally what I've learned. Yeah. So um, like any other person, I've, I, I've been in some organizations, I've been promoted. And each time that I was promoted, I was lucky enough to have a mentor or somebody to tell me, this is where what you need to study. This is who you need to talk to. If you're going to work with the marketing department, go talk to the marketing department, go talk to the service department, go talk to the sales department so that you can understand how they work and how you interface with them. Hmm. Right. So we didn't have a manual, but in some organization way back then, we had what we call an intranet, a knowledge base of intr of intranet. Um, so, so we would go to the internet and access the knowledge base to understand how to do certain things so that we wouldn't repeat mistakes and, or, and, and do, do the work and build upon it. Well, I believe that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there are a lot of wonderful resources that we, that, that have, I mean, consider the church handbook, for instance, uh, resources that have been created like the church handbook. handbook. So that's where, if you want to understand some of the duties of a bishop or a state president or a Relief Society president or young women's president, you would go there and understand, well, what's the purpose of the organization? What should I, should I emphasize? And what should I be careful with? And what should I also, how do we organize activities? What should the purpose of an activity is? So when, when you have su such rich content, um, I would say, go find out what they are. I mean, it seems that that's where you, you, you put the best secrets of the church. You just put it in the church handbook. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's so, I mean, it's, it's, it feels like such common sense, but at the same time, you know, that's the running joke, right? That everything's hidden there. Um, but it's amazing. I mean, just a few things that you read earlier, you know, from the handbook, it's like the, there's certain words and phrases when you sit down with them as a presidency, suddenly it opens up 
what we're actually trying to accomplish here. And, uh, you know, I often use, make the comparison that you'd ask any return missionary, what the, what the missionary, um, purposes, I think they call it, and they'll yes. rattle it off, right? You can wake them up dead asleep in the middle of the night and they'll rattle it off. But if you ask like, what's the purpose of elders quorum? And mm-hmm. there'll be some awkward uh, shuffles in, in elders quorum, right? And in the handbook, it says clearly what it is. And it, I should have that, but it's basically like teach the doctrine and other mm-hmm. anyways, I'll look that up later. But <laughs> the point no, I, being- I really like what you're saying because it talks about the the work and the work of, of uh, salvation and exaltation, right? Right. And it divides it in those four areas um, and no, no specific order, but one of them is to live the gospel of Jesus Christ. The other one is to invite all to, uh, invite all to learn about the gospel and another one is to care for the need, to care for those who are in need, right? And yeah. uh, so, so those those types of things, I think we should know what they are, so that we can we can um, work on these on these types of yeah these types of things. And, and it's interesting as you sit down with with that with the framing of how the handbook puts puts it. Some and then you ask questions like, well, how are we handling core meeting? How are we? What do we? What are youth activities looking like? Some, suddenly, inspiration comes to the surface once we have that filter of what the handbook says is the purpose of these things, right? No, I totally agree. I mean, one of the things that I've observed, um, I was listening to a broadcast from Elder Bednar, and uh, one of the things that I learned was that um, all the organizations should be involved in the work of salvation and exaltation. All of us should be involved in that. Right, we we should be um, uh, trying to unite families as one of the uh, other purposes of of the, the work of salvation and exaltation. It should be part of w- and and there's different ways in the church that we talk about those those principles. So, um, but we should know, like in our in our family, we try to tell our kids part of what the Lord expects us to do is to work for our ancestors. I mean, we don't say all the time while well, it is to unite families for eternity, right? Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. the formal. No, no, we're like our father in heaven would like us to work for the welfare of our um, ancestors, those who do not have the ordinances that we get to enjoy and see if we can help them out. So those are the type of conversations that I think that that um, makes a difference in a home. Yeah, and that's really important. Presidency as well. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else around the concept of, you know, learn your duties and responsibilities or do we cover it all? No, I, I mean, I, there's so much to say about this, right? right. And we don't have yeah. time for all of this, but um, again, studying the scriptures, right? Studying the scriptures for me, helps you understand what your duties are. It, helps, it, it reminds you when I read the book of Mormon, it reminds me that I need to be a good boy. Yeah. It reminds <laughs> me that I need to, to, to help out my brothers and sisters that may be in need. It reminds me that I need to follow the teachings of the Savior, and I particularly need to repent. It reminds me not to judge people. So that's all part of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, and that's all part of understanding my responsibilities as a human being. Foremost is to become like like the Savior, little by little. And uh, I think Elder Holland says, and eventually— will be will become perfect eventually uh-huh. the, through the atonement of the savior and uh, but for now little by little 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 by little we can we can, we can do that another thing that's important is to listen to the words of the prophets so it's it's when i was a missionary and i'll never uh, when i was a missionary president benson uh, reminded us that the scriptures ancient scriptures are important but the words of the living prophets are extremely important because, because that's what we, they know, they receive revelation for our days. So if you have the combination of, of um, if you have the, the, the combination of the, 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 the scriptures and you have the combination of living prophets, I mean, that is a powerful, powerful um, resource for us all. And to yeah. me, that helps me understand my responsibilities, right? Yeah. Uh, for instance, I was thinking that uh, this past general conference, President Nelson talked about 
building our foundation upon the Savior, Jesus Christ. And I thought, okay, I heard that in the, in the book of Helaman, but now the prophet of the Lord reminded us again, reminded me that I needed to build my foundation upon the Savior, Jesus Christ. And I thought, okay, that is part of my responsibility. That is part of, uh, of who I should become, somebody who has faith and relies on the Savior. So those yeah. are important things to me. Uh, the next principle you mentioned is seek to love, unify, and lift others. Yeah, and that's that's uh, you know I and I that comes to me from from my home. Um, we I could say that we lived in a peaceful home. We didn't have a lot of means. We, um, but we we had love in our home. We know we knew that mom loved us, and um, and we knew that she wanted us to have a peaceful life, and to not go and to go search for uh, contention. She she stayed away from that, and I watched her stay away from that purposely and int- intentionally, and that thing that was instilled in us to not just go look for fights, right? But to but to be firm in what we believe in. But not to, she would always say to us, respect other people. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that to me is, a, is an important principle. So when I say that part of leadership is to love, and I share that scripture in John chapter thir- uh, 13, verse 35, I also think that unit, uh, unity is important. In fact, in the Doctrine and Covenant section 38, verse 27, looking at my note, notes here, I, the Lord said, I say unto you, be one. If ye are not one, ye are not mine. And then in Moses chapter 7, 18, the Lord says, And the Lord called his people Zion, because they were of one heart and one mind and dwelt in righteousness, and there was no poor among them. There's something to say about the, the unity. There's something to say about trying to be one. I mean, you can still be an individual. In fact, you need to be an individual. And I think that's what, it's kind of a um, contradictory, but it's our individual individuality. That is what, what we, we embrace. And that's what helps us say, man, Kurt is so, he's so great. He's the way he approaches life. And we lift one another. And say, I've learned so much about, about this aspect of of uh, in, of of Kurt and and somebody could say, well, I've learned so much about Franz in this aspect. It doesn't mean that you'll be in a hundred percent with agreement with what I say or do, but you will seek for the unique and beautiful things that you can learn from, and I think we can learn from from everybody if we really uh, pay attention. Yeah. So. Anyway, I, I really love that. Um, the, the warning, again, of the unity is that there should not be any contentions. I, I had the, um, um, in 3 Nephi chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, the Lord is very clear in saying, and there shall be no disputations among you, as there have hitherto been, neither shall there be disputations among you concerning the points of my doctrine, as there have hitherto been. For verily, verily, I say unto you that he that hath the spirit of contention is not of me, but is of the devil, who is the father of contention, and he steereth out the hearts of men to contend with anger one with another. Behold, this is not my doctrine to stir up the hearts of men with anger one against another, but this is my doctrine that such things should be done away. And I think that 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 I think that's what is important. It's the it's understanding that the Savior is a peaceful, is, is peaceful, is the Prince of Peace. And as a disciple of Christ, I should be trying to also be um, a person of peace. Yeah. And, you know, the, the unity topic is like the, the million dollar question, especially in, in church leadership is, you know, you always want to create that unity and even, you know, now more so than ever. So what does all that look like in practice? Like, is there a story that comes to mind or, um, you know, as a leader, how do we actually facilitate that? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. 
I don't think that I have the answer to all of this, but it goes back again to the counseling, to part of it to me. For instance, if you and I are to do something together and there's maybe two other individuals, well, one of the ways we can be unified in that is to not have one person dominate the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. It's it's to it's to really give give the 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 or to create an environment where we really are listening to you respectfully. And to be able to say, Kurt, I don't really understand this and I actually see it differently. May I share with you how I see this? Mm. Um, and it it opens up an open discussion, right? Um, I and 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 I can the example to me is is it all starts for me with my wife. Mm-hmm. I that's where I get my my greatest inspiration and and correction. To be totally honest with you, too, <laughs> is is asking sometimes and and realizing that we don't see eye to eye. On, on certain things. When that happens, she'll say, well, help me understand what you're talking about. And I'll say, well, help me understand what you're talking about. And, and then slowly, we're going to work through those things. And that actually brings us together when we're like, oh, maybe we should work, work this particular issue that way. And we're like, yeah, that's a good way to work this out. And all of a sudden, even though we were like this, all of a sudden, we become together. Because we found something together that that that's going to help. So, in practice, in practice, to me, especially in 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 leadership position, that's why there are counselors. That's why there are multiple people, in in, in a given organization, is to is to hear from the sisters, is to hear from the brothers, and that talk or that conversation should lead to something wonderful that the Holy Spirit guides us in determining what's the best course of action. I think that's what happens. Instead of saying, I, this is the way I see it, Kurt, and I don't really care how you see it. Yeah. Uh, and we forget that we're not, we're not here to just push our agenda. We're here to do the work of the Lord, and the Lord will certainly reveal his will if we're all coming together and discuss what ought to, ought to be done in, in a particular situation. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That the, the goal isn't necessarily to be heard, but to make sure that others are being heard and, yes. and listened to. Right. And as, as you do that, it'll be offered back, you know, the opportunity to be heard. And then that's, that's where the unity begins is like, this is a place where I'm safe and that I'm heard and yes. I'm, I'm willing to push back or <laughs> wrestle with different topics. As long as this is a safe place where I'm, I'm cons- consistently heard. Yes, and and how wonderful is that that you get yeah. to share with me that um, you don't really understand what I'm saying. I mean, it's wonderful for me because it, I get to articulate better where I'm coming from. Yeah. And how wonderful is it to say that I see this a different way? Because I may say I had no idea that that I I that didn't even cross my mind. Thank yeah. you so much for opening up a window of understanding that enriches my life and that may make the solution or the discussion even better. I mean, how wonderful is that? That's been my experience. And, and I've, I've, there's been so many things that I've said that people didn't agree with. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm just like, well, let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. It feels a little more, bit more like Zion, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're, we're learning from one another because I don't think that one person beside the savior, I don't think that one person is the fountain of all, all knowledge. I just don't believe that. Yeah. Well, you've never been in a meeting with me. (laughs) Yes, that's true, Kurt. That's true. (laughs) I kid, I kid. Uh, Now, this last principle you have is a a feeling that's daunting at times as a leader because uh, you're often labeled as a representative of of Jesus Christ. And so how do we remember that? And then how do we take that on? I mean, sometimes that causes individuals to just want to shrink because, man, I, I don't know if I'm up to that challenge. Yeah, I think that's a that's a that's a great point here. The the um, I think understanding the nature of the Savior Jesus Christ and and the Scriptures helps us understand a little bit about this the well a lot about the nature of our Savior. And one of the things that the Scripture tells us that he that he is long suffering, 
and uh, that he forgives when we when we make mistakes. So that's, I think that once we understand this, that he loves us, and above all, he wants us to be uh, successful and that he doesn't do anything, save it be for the benefit of the children of men. So those that understanding of the nature of the Savior enables us to say, I'm going to do my best. And, and the Savior will make up the rest, or he'll strengthen me, or he'll correct me so that I can do a little bit better in, in, in that particular area. Because we have a friend in the Savior Jesus Christ, not a taskmaster. He is a friend. Um, so, and a good friend of that, a perfect friend. So understanding that helps us represent him a little bit better. And when, when we start understanding more of his, of his true nature, Kurt, I believe that we want to become like him. We, we try hard ourselves to be long-suffering towards other people. We try, if, if I follow the master, the Savior Jesus Christ, and I feel the love that he has for me, well, certainly I can, I can also extend, I don't have the perfect love, but I can extend love to my brothers and sisters. If I, if I feel that when I go to the Savior and I said, I've sinned, I'm not very proud of my behavior. And when I'm done praying, over time, I feel that I've been forgiven of my sins. Well, certainly when somebody says, Franz, I'm so sorry that I said those words to you. I didn't mean it. I can say, it's okay. I can give people the same mercy that that I receive on a daily basis from a perfect being. So, so right. I, yeah. I, I can certainly do that. So in representing the savior, I think a correct understanding of, of, and I know we, we, we can't know him perfectly, but, but someday we will. And certainly the scripture tells us that we can know a lot about the savior, about his uh, divine attributes. So we need to remember that when we serve people that we're not representing France below, we're representing, I'm not representing myself when I'm in a meeting at the state conference. I'm trying my very best to represent what the Savior would be and what he would do. Yeah. Yeah. And though, like you said, we may not achieve that right away, but it's worth an effort. It's worth a try to sort of step into that identity um, because we'll be better because of it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a perfect uh, segue to my last question. Uh, as you reflect on these various opportunities to be a leader as a bishop and a stake presidency and in other capacities in your life, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I maybe maybe I can answer this in a in a in a very different way, and that that's kind of share with you a little bit of how my brain works. <laughs> I <laughs> I believe that the number one thing to do um, is to become a follower of the Savior. And I, I believe that's what helps you become a good leader. Um, sometimes we talk about a leader is a great follower of the Savior. For me, um, it all starts with be, being a follower of the Savior. For instance, I'll be very specific in this. The Savior says, um, uh, the, the, he says that the greatest leader will be the greatest servant, right? Um, so if, if he was a servant, then I should be a servant of other people. Does that make sense? Yeah. And if it happens that I'm called to lead, so be it. But my, but I'm, I'd, my first and foremost priority is to follow his teachings, is to follow his attributes. And then once I understand that, then if I'm called to lead, that's fine. Because the only thing that I'm going to try to do is to help people understand who Christ is. There's, because there's nothing I can do for them. I don't know if I'm explaining myself. Yeah, well. I love it. Yeah, there's nothing I can do 
even in, in, in any leadership positions, there's actually, actually nothing I can do for people when it comes to their salvation. So my job is to point them out or point them to him who can do all things for them and for people to understand who he is, I ought to have a little bit of his attributes so that they can say, oh, that's what that looks like a little? I'm like, yeah, it's not perfect, but, but if you want perfection, let me take you to the, to the perfect being who is the Savior, Jesus Christ, that could help them understand how to um, uh, solve their problems or become a, a better person. And that concludes this How I Lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email, on social media, in a text, wherever it makes the most sense, and share it with somebody who could relate to this this experience. And this is how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guy's doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area. And uh, that's where great leadership's discovered. Right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org contact. Maybe send this individual an email letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them and uh, see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. And remember, text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to access the three free sessions of the LGBT Saints Library. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the only, and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.